How many of you enjoy our meals every week? You enjoy them? All right. We need help. This is good for you online. If you'd like to be connected in service or someone here, we need cooks. Because if we don't get cooks, uh, y'all have to walk out of here and go through the drive-thru at McDonald's or somewhere. Okay? So if you can cook, and I know we have cooks in here, then all you need to do is see Sean or anyone who works back there. When they're serving your meals, just say, hey, I want to become involved. We can get you in a rotation. We have people that visit, uh, go see their grandkids, take vacations. And we want to continue that flow. So this is a perfect opportunity. And if you've, I've had many people say, preacher, I work behind the scenes. Okay. There is a wall between you and the people. Okay. You just go back there and cook in anonymity. All right. Let's get into the lesson. I read this the other day and I want to share it with you because while it's a wonderful thought, I, I, I always have a, a 180 view of things, but let, let's, let me read this to you. Once upon a time, now don't fall asleep. This is a, it's not a nursery rhyme, okay? Once upon a time when Winda was just a square hole in the wall, application was something that was written on a paper. Keyboard was a piano. Mouse was just an animal. A file was imported office material, and a hard drive was an uncomfortable trip. When cut was done with a knife and paste with a glue. When web was a spider's web home, and virus was a flu. When apple and blackberry were just fruits, that's when we had a lot of time for family and friends. Uh, that's the leave it to beaver era, right? Back in the good old days that we're always saying we could go back to. I don't want to ever go back to living in Florida without air conditioning. I'm sorry. Y'all make that trip without me, okay? When I read that, it did remind me, but it also reminded me of something else. We took time to make time for things that were important in life. Most important thing and most Places was the home. I still remember as a teenager having to go home to eat supper. That's what we eat in the South. Breakfast, lunch, and supper. And having to be there when everybody sat down to eat. And it used, you know, it was like, I'm grown. But we had to be there. And we talked about our day. And we just spent time with each other. Since my mother and daddy have gone, I can't tell you the times I wish I could put my feet back under a table because those are precious times. Time has not changed. Still 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 12 months in a year. It's what we make time for. All the stuff that we depend on today, our, what I guess they call it media, our, our Facebook, our, our Instagram and Spotify and all those other words they have, 
ways for people to say many times hateful things without people knowing who they are. Not only that, there was as much sin and spiritual warfare going on in the 50s as there is right now. The problem is now Satan has got a realm in which he can advertise it. Do you realize that when something happens all the way across the world, you can know about it in about 60 seconds through social media? It's not that we lived in darkness and was hidden, but Satan did not have the platform that he has in our lives today because we allow it. If I'm not careful when I get up early in the morning and I check my emails and stuff, if I'm not careful... I may want to check and see who's who sent me what's on Facebook or what's in the news or something. That time God has set aside for me to be in the Word of God and on my knees to refuel me. And if we're not careful, these things will take that time away from family and friends. I have grandchildren who literally will sit side by side on a couch and be texting and they're talking to each other. We're living in an impersonal time. I would much rather receive a birthday card with somebody's signature on it than I have some kind of uh, email or text. I appreciate that. But it's something about somebody really thinking. And see, we, we, are, we have got swept up again. The world is being coming into the church because of everything that we see and all of the things that we hear. And we forget something. We're not a people of this world at all. We're strangers and aliens just like the people that Peter was writing to. Our home, our destination is Jesus Christ in heaven with him for an eternity. And here is our training ground. This is the place that we shine the light. You know, when, when John came, he said, I'm not the light, but one who follows me is the light. We're not the light, but we allow that light to shine through us. And that's the only way darkness will ever be overcome. you got to turn on the light. Well, Peter was telling this group of people, I want you to remember something. It's important how you live and how you work in a hostile environment. And we can take that today. It's found in First Peter chapter 3. We're going to read verses 8 through 17. Finally, that doesn't mean that's the end of it. He's going to move on in the next chapter. But finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the Christ that we represent and his witnesses. Live in harmony. The Bible tells us in another place, as long as it is possible for you, live at peace with all men. That doesn't say if it's possible with them, if it's possible with you, you make the difference. Let's go. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate. Be humble. And if you're humble and know it, you're not humble. Okay? 
Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. We're talking about in a hostile environment, but I think the body of Christ needs to realize that. We're, we're not to repay uh, what we perceive as evil done to us with some more evil. That just stacks up. That causes problems. Blessing. Because this, to this, you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. That's the tickler. All right? For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil, his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. Must seek peace and pursue peace. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? Think about that. Has everybody, anybody ever stopped you from doing good? No. You're not going to be harmed by it. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. That's, that is the very center and foundation. In your hearts, set apart Christ from Everything that this world has to offer. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you, your, your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than doing evil. I want to tell you something. We're probably fast approaching a time in this world when you're going to have to suffer for your faith. But I want to remind you that when we read the book of Acts, the church did not pop until opposition came against them. You don't grow in the Lord until you are opposed, until you go through trials, until you go through tribulations, through the life that you have to live here. I can think of hundreds of other countries where that persecution is very, very real. And sometimes we as Christians wear our feelings right upon our shoulders so that if somebody doesn't speak, or if something happens or somebody says something, we immediately pull in and we have been offended and we have been suffered. We are suffering for the cause of Christ. Let me tell you, that, folks, is a fairy tale. But suffering does come. We suffer under laws of the land. We suffer about the immorality that's flooded across the world. Everything in this world system is set against you as a child of God. And sometimes we, we live under the circumstances. Sometimes we walk around with that cloud self-made over our head. We don't enjoy life. John 10.10 has some very interesting things to say. 
The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. That's the work of Satan. I, Jesus, have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Good measure, pressed down, running over. Your cup running over. That is the life that God prescribed for every child of God. And don't forget, he's a sovereign God. And he knows every generation that his people will be living in. And yet, with all of the knowledge of the wickedness, the evil... The strife, the problems, world wars, all of the things that goes on. Jesus said, not in spite of that, but very simply, I came to give you a life that is absolutely full. Full from going through experiences. Full from walking with tragedy. Full from financial problems. Full, no matter what circumstance you can say in your life or think of it. Jesus said, I came that you may be full. And what that fullness is, is Christ himself. In this passage, Peter points to some teachings on how. How to experience the rich joy and fullness life. The first one is with a humble, loving attitude towards everyone. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate. Be humble. If we live our lives with a loving attitude, it may not affect someone else. And they're, they're coming against you or, or saying things or trying to hurt you. But as for you, you're experiencing that full life and in your heart, when you experience that life, you weep over the people that don't even have a knowledge of what it is. To wake up in the morning and know that God has prepared their way during the day. Secondly, you do that with a non-vindictive response. Do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult, but with blessing. Because to this, you were, what's that word? I didn't hear you. Called. If you're a child of God, that's what you're called to do. You don't have to take up for yourself. And I want to tell you what the wisest man in the world had to say about lies. Don't, don't defend a lie. Every time you're lied about and you go and try to justify yourself, what you're doing is giving credence to what somebody's just said. He calls on us to ignore it. If it's not true, why does it bother you? If it kind of gets under your skin, take a look. Is something there. But if it's not, don't worry about it. In fact, Solomon goes on and says, don't even answer a fool. Because if you do... You'll make him look smart. See, we are called with a different mindset. Now, we're called to have the mind of Christ. Now, we never will think like he thinks. But we are to be in that stratosphere of a loving countenance in which we live our lives. Number three, not with a vindictive response 
but with a pure and honest speech. In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer for everyone who asks you to and give the reason for the hope that is in you. Do this with gentleness and respect. Several years ago, I was at the Daytona 500 and I parked over across the street and I walked over the Earnhardt overpass. And when I came out, there was a man that I recognized. He had a big sign that says, for spending your day at Sunday at races, you're going to hell. And he wanted to hand people a track about the love of Jesus. People, I'm going to tell you something. If you saw a blind person walk in this room this morning, I don't know a one of you that wouldn't rush to open a door to clear obstacles to make sure they're seated. The people without Christ are blinded. Their eyes have been blinded by Satan. And when we answer them in a harsh way, or when we accuse them, and, and when we come around without gentleness, that message, the words that we say, flies into the ears because their hearts have been turned against it. Not only that, you've got to hate sin and desire to pursue peace. <clears throat> he must turn from evil and do good. We make a big deal out of, of living a godly life. God makes it very simple. Here's what he said. If you're going in this direction and I'm back here, you're going in the wrong direction. So what we do is we just simply turn around and we follow where he's leading us. Turn from evil, do good, seek peace and pursue it. Not only that, you got to have the right motives. Right motives, okay? Here we go. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You need to understand something. God sees everything. Darkness doesn't cover what he sees. And yet we live our lives thinking somehow God doesn't know. I'm so insignificant that he doesn't really know or care about me. Let me tell you how much he cared. Nails were driven into the feet and the hands of his only son. A spear was thrust in his side. Before that, soldiers beat him until he was absolutely unrecognizable. Because when Jesus bled and died, he paid the sin debt of every sinner in the world. And if you know Christ this morning personally, it's that sacrifice. The blows that he took. The cross that he went to on your behalf and my behalf. Here's the problem. We don't recognize something. And if we do recognize it, we think it's silly. Or we make it silly. When you come into conflicts, whenever you have these conflicts, it's called spiritual warfare. Okay, people? It is spiritual warfare. Since the time of Adam and Eve's fall, Satan has been working against God. Scriptures tell us our battle is not against people. 
It's not against flesh and blood. Folks that live in that realm are living under the control of the evil one who does not care about their lives. Our battle is spiritual warfare. And let me quickly say, nowhere in the Bible does it give you instructions on how to cast out a demon, okay? You get in a Christian bookstore and their books are filled with them. How to cast out a demon. Reading the Bible, there's a couple of instances. Some old boys cast out a demon and the demon got on them. We're not instructed. Our warfare is spiritual just as the warfare against us is spiritual. And we do our warring and our fighting on the floor, on our knees, praying for God to move in our lives. Let me give you some examples you may need to be reminded of. God is holy. Satan is evil. You may say, I knew that. How's your life living? How are you living? God is love. Satan is the embodiment of hatred. Satan, or God redeems his children. Satan damns his children. Jesus reveals grace and truth. Satan lies and is the father of lies. Why do I point this out? Because every time we who have experienced Christ as Savior and Lord and received the new life and the old part is dead and buried in Christ, every time we serve sin, we dishonor God and honor Satan. Think about it. When we disobey God, Satan and his band strike up because that strikes at the heart of God. Who do we want to honor in our lives? Do we really believe this word of God? Do we really believe that if we set about to walk in life as Jesus has given us the manual of life, that the same thing The same blessings won't happen to us that happens to the people in the Bible. Let me tell you the product of God. Very simple. God produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things God produces in our life through the Spirit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. I went to Pennsylvania one time. And a guy carried me into an apple orchard. Apple orchard trees kind of resemble orange trees. But I knew it was an apple tree even though I was ignorant. And you know why? There were apples on that tree. A tree is known by its fruit. Our life is known by our countenance in our speech and in the things that we do. Okay, Satan also has A production line. Okay? Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, fractions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and selfish ambitions. A lot of people look at this list and they make a big mistake. They look at that and say, oh, Immorality, impurity, and sexuality. That's number one. And so that's number one. I'm way down on the list. Maybe I have some selfish ambitions. Here's the way that list stacks up. It's flipped. 
the very groundwork of, of disobeying and running and leaving God is sexual sins because it's a sin against your body, the sin against the person that you are committing it with, and it is a sin against God. And then it stacks up. And it's still not the worst, maybe not so bad or a little better. All sin is disobedient and is counted as honoring Satan with our are disobeying the God whom Satan opposes. We need to renew our mind. Listen, we live in a wicked environment. Uh, we, what happens when you take Peter's advice and you're still rebuked? I've had people come back in my office or call me and say, Preacher, I tried out what you said Sunday and it don't work. I said, really? Why didn't it work? Well, so-and-so did this to me. I said, well, how did you, how did you react to that? <laughs> I just told him something. I said, the problem wasn't with the person. The problem was you. You see, again, we're in charge. Nobody, including Satan, can make you do anything you don't want to do. Don't tell me about trickery. Don't tell me about how good it seems. Each of us make a choice every moment of the day to what kind of life we're building. Every day, every moment of the day, we decide what is my life going to be like. Well, I, I brought up one of my favorite guys, David. Because David is a man that reached the highest of heights. God loved David. God used David. David wasn't where he was supposed to be, and he committed a deep sin against God, against the husband, against the woman. He caused the downfall. But yet, even as David come out of that through Psalms 51, you can tell in David's life, he just looked at things Differently, Psalms 27 has some wonderful truths. It's a psalm that I go to every time I have a pity party. And I want you to know pastors are not exempt from a pity party. You know that tree that grew up when Jonah got mad, when Nineveh repented? Most preachers have a potted plant in their office. <laughs> And sometimes we're just shut the door and oh, woe is me. Oh, my goodness, this, that, and the other. You see, no one is exempt from the, the attacks of Satan. And I'll tell you this, in encouragement, you begin to do something for the Lord. That is, begin to serve, use your abilities, give your money, be fa You begin to do that and the X on your back gets bigger but the power of God enlarges in your life. Understand that. As the pressure comes, the power goes up. Because God has an, uh, a supply that will never run out. Nothing you can't go through. I, I want to just quickly show you David's foundation of life. And it's with his experience in God. His experience in God. In the past. In the present. And then he shows a confidence in the future. Look at this.
The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? If you want to turn your life around tomorrow morning, you get up and you just say that. And if you can't remember, turn to Psalm 27.1. Look in the mirror and say, the Lord is the light and my salvation. Who do I fear? Listen, we live in fear. Thousands, probably millions are still hesitant in what they can do in life because they were afraid. Listen, the Bible says fear cast out love. You just get up in the morning and look in that mirror because you're talking to yourself and say, boy, the Lord, L-O-R-D, Yahweh, creator God, is my life and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord, again the same one, is my stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Are you trying to live life and fight battles and go through tragedies in your own strength? Forget it. It'll cripple you. Understand something. The Lord is our stronghold of our life. And again, why should you be afraid? Paul and, <clears throat> Paul and Barnabas, or Paul and Silas got through in jail. What'd they do? Sang. What'd Peter do when he got in jail? He just went to sleep. And an angel had to kick him in the ribs and say, Peter, the door's open, your handcuffs are off, go home. Because the Lord was their stronghold. Let's go, it gets better. When evil men advance against me to destroy my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. The reason you're constantly in battle with someone is because of what that just said. If you are reacting in a humble, loving, forgiving, doing the best to keep your peace, they will stumble and fall, but you are held in the hands of God. Though an army, <laughs> let's get bigger. The army besieged me. My heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek. Hold that right there. People, armies, and wars. Those things keep our attention, don't they? We're worrying. We're in hurricane season. We're going to look at the news every day on the radar. Hurricane, hurricane. Here's what David is thinking about in all of that problem. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. It's a different attitude, folks. It's why Paul said we need to be renewed in, the, in our mind. Why Peter said in verse chapter 1, verse 13, gird up your loins, stir things up, get ready for battle, renew your mind. Listen, this temple, that's not saying y'all have to stay here at Tomoka all the time, okay? I want to clear that up. We don't have any sleeping room here. The temple he's talking about is the presence of the Lord. Because everywhere David walked, God walked with him. From the time he was with the sheep 
to the time he slayed Goliath. He was in the presence. And David is saying, I simply want to walk in his presence every day. Number two, when David had problems, he sought God's guidance in difficult circumstances. Verse 11. Teach me. What's that word? Whose way do we want? Let's be honest. All of us. You know, the burger commercial, have it your way. Have it your way. See, we're used to that in life. We want to teach me your way, oh Lord. Lead me in a straight path. I don't want to swerve because of my oppressors. What's the basis of David's trust? His unshakable faith. Here's what he said in ending that. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We're going to see the sweetness of the Lord in heaven. Remember John 10, 10? I've come to give you life and give it to the full. I'm confident that I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. This doesn't mean sit down. You're in action. You're moving. But you're waiting for the vengeance to come. And that's the Lord when he puts all of his enemies under his feet. Be strong. Take heart. Wait on the Lord. What's your first thoughts when you get up in the morning? Oh, no, it's another day. You know, we have these little sayings. Oh, my goodness, it's Monday. I guarantee you, when you get up, and if that's your first thought, you're going to have a lousy Monday. Because you've set your mind and your body on a journey. It's going to be lousy. But when you wake up and say, I don't care what happens to me today, I will not fear. Because the Lord is with me. And if I go through a storm, I'm going to come out stronger in the storm. These questions answer in your heart right now. You watching online, answer these questions. Who is the hope of your life? A good retirement? A strong 401? And maybe you've done enough good to be able to go to heaven? Or can you say... Jesus Christ paid my sin debt. He's taken away all of my sin. And my hope is in Jesus. If not, you're online. You need to hit that I have decided button. We want to talk to you. You need to know Jesus. You need to know baptism. If you're here today and you've never really experienced this, you're saying in your heart, preacher, you're preaching a fairy tale. I can't do it. See, the power of my life, the power of every believer is Jesus Christ. You need Jesus. I'm going to be over here in the decision corner. I'll pray with you, talk with you. We'll go sit down at the table. Whatever you want to do. Don't leave this building without Christ. Christian friend, what are you afraid of? Who's running your life? Are you honoring Satan with the life you live? Or are you honoring Christ in the obedience that you give? It's a question of the hour, a question that you've got to answer. My prayer 
It's honoring God. Father, today your word has gone forth. There's power in the gospel. Lord, show yourself strong as you work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.